Um, you know, I thought that pretty much says it all, doesn't it? You know, I have these people say, well, I just, you know, oh, church, I just, it's so hard to sit there for an hour and a half. And, uh, and then I see these people at a football game, obviously, you know, uh, willing to sit through that just to watch a football game. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, you know, when I hear people say, well, you know, it's just so hard, pastor, it's so hard. Oh, I sit there for an hour and a half, my hemorrhoids get acting up, and I just don't know what to do, you know, uh, for where your heart is. There your butt will be also, amen? Uh, you know, that is, that, that is revelation for you this morning, amen? All right, well, <laughs> so being part of the family uh, is, as we've said over the last number of weeks, being part of God's family is the only thing, everybody say only thing. It's the only thing that qualifies you for inheritance. Inheritance is ours because of family relationship. It's not yours because you worked for it. It's not yours because you earned it or deserved it or any other thing. God's inheritance for you is there for you because you are a son or a daughter of God. Because you have been adopted into this royal family, then you have royal inheritance that is part of your spiritual DNA. Amen? And so that is what we must understand because we're going to be talking about a lot of doing things here today. And if we think that the doing is what gets us into that place of alignment with God, then we're, we're, you know, the wheels are off the cart and we're messed up before we even begin, right? So we have to keep that in mind as we listen to a message like this one this morning. Because we have to know that our inheritance was purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ and not by works of righteousness, the scripture says. But by his blood has he redeemed us. Amen? And so we need to understand that. But let the redeemed of the Lord, what? Say so. I mean, you know, there is an onus upon us. There is uh, God's plan for us to be involved. And so I talked about uh, how, you know, partnership with God is what he's looking for. He has redeemed us, brought us into the family business, the family empire, and he wants us to partner with him. And, you know, uh, there, are, there are those who have a theological bent uh, where everything is predetermined and everything has been laid out. And, and, it, and it can become quite fatalistic. And so you begin to think that, you know, it doesn't matter what I do. God has a plan and it's all just going to work out. And, and you can end up in this place where, you know, your spiritual quagmire where you're doing nothing because God has it all pre-planned, Right. Uh, on the other hand of that spectrum, you get those who believe, well, it's all our free will, it's all just up to us, and God could never do anything without us, etc., etc. Both extremes are wrong. Instead, what God has invited us to is a partnership with Him, right? He's invited us to a partnership with Him. And uh, He's invited us into a full-fledged partnership where we have uh, the signet ring of the Lord, we have the cloak on our back, we have the authority of the Lord, we are partnering with him, and where we go and where we establish his kingdom, uh, we do it as his ambassadors with his authority. Everybody say amen. So we need to make, be clear about the fact that we are in partnership with God. And what does that look like? Well, partnership with God, last week I told you, is going to take is uh, responsibility. Partnership with God is taking responsibility. Amen? Partnership with God requires investment, right? This is what we talked about 
Last week, laying the foundation here for finishing up this series on inheritance. And then finally, I said partnership with God is the most rewarding way to live. So this morning, what I want to focus in on, and for the next couple weeks that I talk, I'm going to talk about that first one. Partnership with God is taking responsibility. Everybody say taking responsibility. And we're going to talk about that this morning. So Father, as we look into your word today, Father, as we... We, uh, we come to understand the responsibility that is ours because of being in the family, being a joint heir with Jesus Christ. The responsibility that is ours, we're asking you, Lord, to give us understanding, to give us, uh, Father, clarity of mind and of spirit regarding what our responsibilities are as we are partnering with God. Father, we ask for your Uh, quickening today upon the word, Lord. We ask, Father, for you to speak today to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Partnership with God is taking responsibility. I mentioned this last week. I said, a true son or daughter cares as much for what they have inherited as the father who left it to them. If we have come into relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ, His Son. If we are truly His sons and daughters and joint heirs with Jesus Christ, then our hearts will care as much about the things the Father cares about as He does. You understand that? If it moves Him, it should move us. If it, if it causes Him grief, it should cause us grief. If, if it causes him joy, it should cause us joy. If it's important to him, then it should be important to us. It should be just as important to the, the one who's inherited it as the one who gave it to them, who shared the inheritance with them. And I think one of the most disturbing things you read about in the news is, is uh, you know, these people who build up uh, big businesses and financial empires and, and, and they're doing so much good with it and then they leave the estate to their children and their children don't care about the things they cared about and in a generation it's gone. I mean, our, our countries are filled with those kinds of stories. I think it's one of the greatest tragedies when, when the, the things that the, the father cares about, that the mother cares about, that they gave as an inheritance, the children didn't care about and it gets lost. But I think that's actually a pretty accurate picture a lot of times of the church. That the things that the Father cares about, His people don't seem too motivated by. And if the Father cares about it, then we should care about it. We should be as concerned about the things as the Father, the one who left them for us. Amen? And that's what I think God is at the heart of, uh, you know, responsibility. Is that us caring about the things that the Father cares about. Not shirking responsibility, not, uh, you know, getting out of the way of responsibility. So what kind of responsibility? Well, let's talk about service responsibility, the one that requires your time. We have a responsibility as partners with God, as joint heirs with Christ, to serve. The mission of the kingdom of God, the responsibility of it is not just for a few paid people. Right? In fact, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 says that the apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists are for what? The equipping of the saints for works of service. That's what the scripture says. 
So we're, today, what I'm attempting to do here is some equipping. Uh, Pastor Mark had a, 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 a discipleship class before the service. We have small groups. We do all of these things uh, in, 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 in an effort to equip people to be able to share their faith, to be able to do the work of the kingdom of God. That is our, our role. Our role is equipping, not taking over, not doing it all. It's not like, well, you know, we, we gave a little money in the offering so the pastor can go and visit the sick and pastor can, you know, take care of all those other things that pastors do. I mean, how hard can it be? They only got to preach once a week. I mean, Pastor Mark obviously didn't have to do anything this week because Pastor Kevin's preaching. So he, he got to do nothing. He got to sit around, drink coffee with people, which pretty much describes what Mark does. And, uh, and uh, you know, he got to do all of that. And, and you know, and, and we paid him to do that. So it's all good. We don't have to do anything. That's not what the kingdom of God is about. God never envisioned it that way. He saw the, the equippers working with the body of Christ so that everybody was on the field. If you want to follow a sporting analogy. Everybody was off the bench and was engaged in the game. Right? That's what, what God's intent is. And his intent is that every one of us finds places to serve in the body of Christ. The responsibility of the gospel, therefore, is the responsibility of every single believer. And that's why in your business practices and in everything, it's just as important that you have integrity as the pastor has integrity. Because people are supposed to be watching you just like they're watching us. Right? Every time any believer sets the bar way too low in their life is a tragedy. God wants us to set it high. And, and so high that, you know, maybe it's difficult to attain, and that's why we need His grace to be able to do it, right? As we say, God, I can't do that except with you. And He said, you're right, so let me help you, right? Are you hearing me this morning? The church becomes ineffective and unhealthy when, all the, when the church paid staff are doing all the work and nobody else is doing it. You understand what I'm saying? And, uh, but when the church is everybody on board, the church is extremely healthy. God wants his church to be healthy, powerful, and effective. And in order for that to happen, every member has to do its part. Every member has to do its part. Now, how many have ever read 1 Corinthians? Right? So if you read 1 Corinthians, you come to a chapter, it's called chapter 12. And everybody knows chapter 12 because this is one of those controversial chapters where Paul spends this time talking about spiritual gifts, right? And he gives a list of the, uh, uh, the gifts of the Spirit in, in chapter 12. And, uh, and so, you know, there's all that tongues and interpretation of tongues and words of knowledge and words of wisdom. And, and, you know, do these operate today? Do these not operate today? People debate all this stuff back and forth. And, and you know, and, and it is certainly an important part of the passage, but I think we tend to miss uh, Paul's greater message in the rest of the chapter. Beginning at verse 12, after he's talked about the gifts, and following. Do you know what Paul talk goes into after that? Paul starts talking about the body. And he starts talking about the fact that the hand can't say to the foot that I don't need you. Right? And he starts describing the, the function of the body, how every part, Paul says, is important. Every part is needed. And Paul's discourse is, is so significant because he's speaking about how everybody is involved. A body is made up of many parts, and every part 
is needed. And then he talks about, you know, the parts that are more visible and the parts that are not visible and, and, and treating some with special honor, all that kind of stuff. It's, it's really significant for us to grasp. And so I would say that 1 Corinthians 12 is as much about the Christian's responsibility as it is about spiritual gifts. It is Paul giving a picture of the level of responsible behavior there is in the church as every member of the body does its part. And he concludes chapter 12, going back a little bit to the gifts, and he says, are all prophets, are all apostles, are all, you know, workers of miracles? He goes, no, but every part does its part. Amen? See, that's what Paul was really trying to get at. He was dealing with some issues with spiritual gifts and stuff, but his main message is about everybody getting involved. Everybody getting involved. I think a lot of times uh, church does look like a football game where you have, you know, all, a few people on the field, right, working really hard in desperate need of a rest, and 60,000 people in the stands in desperate need of exercise. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and, and sometimes I think that's how we've built the church up, so that there's these few people that are really doing it, really getting it done, you know, like famous evangelists and speakers, you know, our, our, our Bill Johnsons and our Steve Furtick's and all these people, and then some special worship teams, you know, like the Bethel ones or Hillsong or people like that, the ones that sell records and, and, and they're, they're on the radio blessing everybody. Those people are getting it done, and the rest of us are watching and listening. Right? I don't think that's what God intends. He wants everybody, everybody involved. Someone say Everybody. All right, so the responsibility of service, service responsibility. So part of our responsibility in the kingdom is to get up off the bench and find a place to serve the body. I know we're busy. I know we're busy. I know that life is busy. But can I tell you that, you know, it's busy because of our own creation. Just being honest with you. I mean, come on. Our forefathers had time to share the gospel, and they actually had to work just to eat. Like, they actually had to grind their own flour for crying out loud. You go to the store and buy a bag of it. They had to harvest corn, and they had to pick berries, and they had to, if they wanted stuff preserved, they had to boil it and stick it in a jar and vacuum seal it and stick it somewhere for safekeeping so you could eat it later and all that. I mean, my mom did that stuff. Insane. I mean, nobody does that anymore. We just go and buy the stuff, Right. I mean, you know, look, a weekly trip to the grocery store. We, we don't work and work and work only to eat anymore, which is what really our forefathers did. They had to work and work and work and work and work just to have a roof over their head and food on the table. We got more free time than any generation in history, and I've never heard more people say, I just don't have time when it came to volunteering for the church than I, I hear now. Now, how is that possible? We're going to more sporting events and concerts and, 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 you know, spending time at the cottage or the trailer than any time in history, but, you know, we're so busy, Pastor. We're so busy. I would submit to you, you're busy of things of your own creation. Are you saying it's bad? I'm not saying it's bad at all. I'm just saying maybe you have to prioritize a little bit more. None of those things you're involved with are probably bad. I'm just saying, they're not. They're not. They're bad. But what happens is they can, they, they can tend to compete with our time, right? 
so that we get ourselves out of alignment. And if we're out of alignment, we can't complete our assignment, right? We talked about that a number of weeks ago. And God has assignments for everybody here. So it's time for us to realign. It's time for us to look at our time and say, God, I'm going to put you first. Everybody say first. 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 I'm going to put my family second. And I'm going to put service in the church third. And then all that other stuff can fall in there. Relationship with God, number one. Your family, number two. Number three should be serving the body of Christ, getting it done. If you've got a bunch of other stuff getting in the way so that you never have time to do anything for the, the body of Christ and to get the job done, time to reprioritize. Wow, it's ever quiet in here now. Okay. I better go on and pick on something safer like your money. All right, here we go. <clears throat> <laughs> service responsibility. Now let's talk about financial blessing. Let's talk for a few minutes. This is Thanksgiving, so can we just talk about how blessed we are here this morning? Uh, you live in Canada. Say it with me. You're blessed. You have a roof over your head. That's right. You know how it's done. You have food on the table. You have a job. You have an education. You have access to health care. You have freedom of speech. You have freedom of religion. You have live in safety and security. You and I are blessed. Do you understand that this morning? You guys are so blessed, it's disgusting. I mean, I'm just telling you, it's true. I mean, it is, it is just staggering how blessed you are. You might say, well, you know, I only make $15 an hour. That, well, you're still blessed. I've been to many countries where make less than a dollar a day. Well, yeah, but things are cheaper there. Well, some things, food, lodging, gasoline's the same price, cars are the same price. All, most stuff's the same price. They live on a dollar a day. A dollar a day. Is that not right, Rod? A buck a day. A buck a day. A day. Let me just, uh, how blessed are you? We in Canada are part of the 30% of the world that holds 97% of the world's wealth. Did you know that? So if you live in Canada, Canada, the United States, and Western Europe hold 30%, I mean, that 30% of the population of the world in Canada, the United States, Western Europe, and I think they include Japan in this, they hold 97% of the world's wealth. 97%. Here's another stat for you. Furthermore, 8.6% of the population which has $100,000 of assets or more. So if you own a house, and, you know, that means if you own a house that's worth $200,000 and you only have a $100,000 asset, that, I mean, mortgage, then you're in this category. You already have $100,000 worth of asset. If you add in your cars, or anything else, you, you take all of your equity, subtract your debt, that's what your assets are. Does anybody get that? So they're saying 8.6% uh, of the world's population, which has $100,000 of assets or more, possesses a staggering 85.6% of global wealth. I am in that percentage and I, I'm part of those who own the 86.5% of global wealth. That is a staggering number. We are blessed. Someone say, we are privileged. Now, maybe you've seen this phrase before. 
I mean, you know, Spider-Man made it popular. Here we go. With great privilege comes great responsibility. Everybody say that with me. With great privilege comes great responsibility. Say it again. With great privilege comes great responsibility. All right. Are we making any progress here this morning? Someone say amen. So, let's talk about our financial responsibility. Financial responsibility. On Thanksgiving Sunday, I thought it was fit for us to talk about, as partners with God, what is our financial responsibility in this partnership? I used to be uncomfortable talking about money. I used to be uncomfortable about it. Not because it makes me uncomfortable, because it made other people uncomfortable. But I'm not uncomfortable about it anymore. Like politics, it makes some people uncomfortable, but I don't, I don't really care. Uh, my passion is for you to be free and for the job to get done. And those passions are greater than whether people get uncomfortable or not. So you might get uncomfortable this morning, but I hope you get instead uh, spoken to by the Lord and that he speaks to you about how he has a plan to get it done. So my job is to equip the body. I'm going to help equip you here this morning. Now, I've had people ask me all the time, what in the world is a tithe? Each and every Sunday, we encourage people to come on up to the front and participate in the offering by bringing forth offerings and tithes, offerings and tithes, tithes and offerings. So here's the thing. I believe the tithe is our financial responsibility in the kingdom. So if we want to talk about the difference between responsibilities and, and, and you know, an offering, then it's the tithe is the responsibility and offerings are offerings. All right? So God had this plan. He started in the Old Testament for taking care of the, the kingdom of God, which at that time was represented by the people of Israel. And he created this system of tithing. And so everybody gave a tenth, and there were 11 tribes giving a tenth, and the 12th tribe, the Levites, received that tenth, and they were the ones who took care of the house of God, the cities of refuge, et cetera, et cetera, so that the poor could, ministry of the poor could happen, so that, you know, um, the, the ministry of, 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 of the purity of the church or of the kingdom, all of these things could be maintained. And the priests and the Levites lived on the tithe that was brought in. And that was God's way of keeping the integrity of the nation of Israel together built around that. You fast forward to the New Testament. And people will say, well, tithing isn't in the New Testament. Jesus never told us to tithe. He never told anybody not to either. In fact, he said, you know, you, you bring forth your tithes. And he said, but you, you don't take care of the poor and the widowed. He said, you should take care of the poor and widowed. You should have not neglected the tithing, but still took care of the poor and the widow, right? He said, do that, but, but don't neglect the former either. And I think that God started a system he understood worked in the Old Testament, and it works just as well in the New Testament. You bring in the tithe to the storehouse, and then it is used to be able to get it done. And all of these ministries, these significant ministries that you see that take place around the globe, they get it done because of the faithfulness of people. Our accountant sat down, and he, he, he did some calculating one day, our accountant and Lindsay, and he took all of the people in North America, around the world, who called themselves Christians. So whether Catholic, Episcopalian, Greek, Orthodox, didn't matter. Every person in the global population that considered themselves to be Christian. And if every one of them tithed, he said the church would wipe out world hunger. Wipe it out. There would be no such thing as world hunger. You would be able to feed every person in the world 
if the church, everybody who called themselves Christian tithed. He said, he, he put all the charts up there, showed you exactly, I think there's like one point some billion uh, people who call themselves Christian, 10% of that, and he ratioed out their, their incomes from the West and the East and all the rest of it. And he said, if all of them tithe, he said, world hunger would be a thing of the past. The church would be able to do what Jesus' mandate was for us to do. We would be the ones that would extend his kingdom and change the world. Amen? So this morning, you know, I have people say to me, what's, what's tithing look like? How does that work? How does, it, how does that happen, Pastor? Can you help me understand uh, tithing? Then I want to help you understand it this morning. So I've got the Henshaw family uh, this morning, and they are, they've, been out, they've been just so blessed, and they're going to start bringing forth their blessing. And, and I'm going to illustrate for you from the Henshaw family what, what tithing looks like with a visual illustration. So here comes Mark and Katrina, and they're so blessed they had to get some help because they just couldn't fit it all in their own two carts because they're just so blessed. So you'll notice that they've just got a bounty of blessing here this morning. How many recognize you're blessed? Amen? So they're bringing forth their blessing, and, uh, and here's what they're going to do. They're going to take... Uh, they've got in their carts, they have got 10 of everything to help illustrate here this morning. So they've got 10 of everything, and they're going to take one item out. The first item is going to come out, and they're going to put it on the table of the Lord. So Mark's putting down, he's put down a bag, a bag of potatoes. Uh, you know, Katrina's got a beautiful package of hot dogs she's putting down there, you know. Uh, she's got a bag of cookies, and you know, uh, you know, Mark's got another loaf of bread here. Uh, oh, oh uh, look at that, an acorn squash. We've got, you know, so much blessing here, it's ridiculous. So they're gonna, just going to keep working at this, putting down, uh, you know, the gifts of the Lord, that they're giving to the Lord here. They're just putting down, they're, they're recognizing, Lord, I'm so blessed. I, I, I want to return a tenth uh, to you, Lord. So they're just putting it out, they're just decorating the Lord's table here. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. Look at that, eh? Check it out. Now, now, the rest of their cart is whose? That's right, it's theirs. So you got the Lord's table and you got their table. So once they've, they've tithed, they brought their first to the Lord. They've given the first tenth to the Lord. Now the, the Bible says this is all theirs. So they're going to just start loading their own table up with their own blessing here. All right? So now they're just taking all their stuff, all the things they've been blessed of, and they're going to start putting them out. So you can just visually just see how, how, what a great ratio this is, all right? This is a pretty good, pretty good deal, all right? So, you know, they're just uh, able to put all their blessing out here. And uh, so God has been good. Look at that. My word. What a faithful God. Whew. I'm telling you. <laughs> Man, oh man, and uh, I understand it ain't all going to fit on the table. That's okay. You're going to have to set some of them on the floor. That's all part of the visual here, you know, so we can see what this blessing looks like. Praise the Lord. Hey, Mark. All right. <clears throat> Look at that. <laughs> I didn't think this would take quite this long, but uh, 
Evidently, yes, I don't put away the groceries every week. Like, check that out. (laughs) Shows you how little we know, right? All right. When you're done, you can just push the carts off to the side there because we're going to need them to load this stuff up. <laughs> After the service, if you, A, if you have need of anything, we invite you to come and help yourself. If you want, if you uh, said, man, I didn't buy beets. There's beets up there. I can't wait. I love beets. Then you can come and get the beets. Uh, if you know somebody's in need and you could just take the stuff to them, that'd be awesome. Uh, anything doesn't go this morning that isn't taken or delivered to somebody else will be taken to the, to the food bank. So um, that would be awesome. It was all bought uh, fresh. Uh, the, some of the vegetables, like the carrot bags of carrots and stuff on Tuesday, uh, the rest of it was all done uh, Friday. So it has, and yes, the hot dogs were refrigerated until this morning, okay? So <clears throat> just in case you're worried, they were in the fridge. Of course, now the hot dog could probably seal, vacuum seal like that, sit out for about three days and it wouldn't make any difference. But all right, just push the carts off the side. Let's give our, our, our workers here a, a hand. Now, if we understand God's principle, God's methodology of tithing, this is what God's agreement with you looks like. This is God's visual for you, okay? God is saying, uh, my plan, my plan for, for getting the kingdom done is simple. He said, you bring the first uh, uh, 10% of, what you, of all your increase, and you bring that to me so that my house may be full the Bible says. And then the rest of it is, is there, is yours. Now, I was very blessed in that the first New Believers classroom I went to, the class that I went to when I was a new Christian, the first week I went, the first Sunday I went to this class, the, the, the teacher happened to be teaching on tithing. So I started tithing the first week I was a Christian when I was 17 years old. And I have tithed my entire life. Uh, I have had this practice of I've always taken the first 10% and given it to the Lord. And then the next 10%, I was blessed that not too long after I was uh, married, we had a financial planner who just said, take the first 10%, you give it to the Lord, take the next 10% and and invest it for your future. So we've taken 10% of our income every year and we've set it aside in pension plans, RSPs, uh, whatever vehicles are available so that I don't starve in my old age and I can still help take care of my family. Are you ever, is everybody hearing me this morning? This is called good financial planning. You can find lots of people that aren't even believers who will tell you first 10% to charity, second 10% invest in your future, invest in retirement, and live off the rest. 10, 10, 80. 10, 10, 80. I hear this all the time, all kinds of financial planners. I would encourage you to set it in your own life. 10, 10, 80. Is that not right, Paul? 10, 10, 80. That's, you know, that's how you should be doing it. 10, 10, 80. And, and then you, so when you go to buy a house, how much house can I afford? Well, how much house can I afford on 80% of my income? The bank might base your mortgage on 100%. You should base it, base it on 80% so that you can practice 10, 10, 80. 10, 10, 80. Am I making any sense to anybody here this morning? And if, if the body of Christ did this, we'd be the most financially healthy people in the world. I mean, without a doubt, we would be the most financially healthy people in the world. 
But God has a plan, and he said, this is how it works, and this is what it looks like. This is your blessing. Now, the Henshaws, they've, they've been blessed. They have just been blessed, 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 blessed. And, and so they're so blessed. They said, they said to me the other day, they said, you know what we're going to do, Pastor Kevin? We're going to have a family over for lunch. So they're going to have a family over for lunch. So Mark and Katrina are going to come up here, and they're, and, and, and they're going to they're invite a family for lunch. All right? So I don't know. Who are you inviting for lunch, Mark? Uh, Kevin and Jolene are coming over for lunch. That's awesome. So uh, Kevin and Jolene are coming over for lunch. This is great. So these guys are coming over for lunch, and they want to entertain. They want to they bless Kevin and Jolene. So they, 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 you know, they don't have time to cook, though. It's going kind to of be lunch on the fly today because they don't have time to cook. So they're, they're going to have lunch on the fly. So now, um, you know, I suppose if you, you guys are, you know, are so blessed, right? Uh, then why don't you give these guys something to eat? They must have, must have something you could eat, Mark. So oh, Mark's going to give them bananas. Oh, look, look at that. Kevin's getting a banana. Jolene's getting a banana. He's going to let his wife starve, I see. Okay, that's a... Oh, and he's giving a little cantaloupe here, a uh, little cantaloupe. All right, so Mark is, Mark is feeding his guests. But I, but I don't know. Did you guys notice something about Mark feeding his guests? What did you notice? Where did he take it from? The Lord's table. He, he's, he's feeding his friends. He's, he's pouring out a feast for his friends, and he's taking it from the table. He's got all that sitting right there, but he's taking it from here. You know, the Bible says, will a man rob God? Rob God? Malachi chapter 3. Will a man rob God? How, how have we robbed you, God? They said back to God. How, how have we robbed you? He said, because you take that which is mine, the tithe and, and your offerings, and you use it for yourself. This is a visual of what it looks like. When, when you do that, it's like you've got all that, and you're taking it from here to be able to do something that's important to you rather than taking it from there. God has blessed you. We all just agreed how blessed we are here. We live like, like literally like people around the world die to be able to try and live. We are so blessed, and God's plan is, is, that, is that to start with is if you just get this thing down. I'm telling you right now, there isn't a church in this city that if everybody tithed, wouldn't be overflowing financially. And yet every church struggles in their budgets. And you know why? Because the house of the Lord is not tithing. We're taking from the, from the Lord's, uh, pr- what we've, we're supposed to be surrendering to Him, and we're living off of it. This is what it looks like, having your friends over and taking it from there instead of from there. I don't know any better way to illustrate it for you than to understand that this is what the Lord's plan was. And and the reason it's so hard for the church to get the job done, especially here in Canada, is because we don't like to be told what to do with our money in Canada. You can go down the States and you can find... You know, these ministries that are all, all kinds of them coming out of the States. And they're able to do all kinds of wonderful things. And you know why? Is because they have no shortage of money. Why do they have no shortage of money? Because the people practice biblical principles of tithes and offerings. Well, you know, we, we give so much in taxes, we can't afford it here. And we do pay a lot in taxes. There's no question about it. But we get a lot for those taxes. Hello? Kenda was just telling me Dan's, Dan's medication treatment. What was it, $10,000 a treatment? 
$10,000 a month. And how much is it costing you? A thousand a year. Why? Because we have health care and we have, we have plans and stuff like that. If you lived in many of the countries of the world, you just die. There's just nothing there. I mean, folks, can I get it through you? Like you say, oh, but, but you know, we education. I mean, health care. All these things that are provided for you. I don't know about you, but I'm proud to live in Canada. I'm proud to be Canadian. We're blessed in this country. I don't always agree with everything the politicians do, and they probably wouldn't always agree with me, but at the bottom line of it is this, folks. We are blessed. We are blessed. And God says, my children, you're so blessed. I've got a plan where you could get the work done. And it's called taking responsibility financially, and it's called the tithe. If you guys would do it, there'd be food in my house. We'd never be in lack. We'd never, ever, ever be in lack. You're saying, but I don't, I don't know how to do that. It's easy. See, when you, you get paid, you just say, how many can mathematically figure out 10%? I mean, I've never had a problem doing it. If you need help, I'd be able to show you how it's done. You divide it by 10, and so if it was $2,000, that's $200. You understand? $200. I'll be really transparent with you. My wife and I, our household income is about $75,000 a year. And my wife and I are giving every year is between $8,500 and $10,000. And uh, that's, what, that's what our giving is every year. How do you afford that? I don't even miss it. I'm just, when God puts something on my heart, I just do it. But the tithe, we don't even think about that. We just do it. And then the other giving is on top of that. Are you hearing me this morning? We, we just, it's the way we live. And we've lived that way since we said, I do. Have we always made that kind of money? Nope. When we started Desert Stream, it was $29,000 a year. We had three children. It was tight, but we always tithed, and God was always faithful. Always faithful. I can't even begin to tell you how faithful he's been. It staggers the imagination. And you know, we need to be, return to being principle-based people. Today, we are so quick to make decisions based on our, how we feel. Feelings have got, like, nothing to do with it. Feelings just create drama. You know why I stay off Facebook? I hate drama. I just don't need it. All that people commenting and chirping on each other, drama, 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 drama. Ugh. Who needs it? I'm too busy living life to engage in all the drama. Shut it down. Tell it to go away. Get back. And then people say, well, we need to have values. And we had Dennis uh, Peacock send out a wonderful email talking about the difference between feelings and values and principles. And values are a wonderful thing. We have values as a church that we've established. And values come out of our belief system and they come out of our, our feelings as well, and what we understand to be right and wrong, but even more important than values, and values are important, are principles. There are certain principles that are in the kingdom that exist beyond even our values. And the principles are so foundational, they are the thing that establishes us and establishes this kingdom. It's built on principles. And the principle of 10% is a kingdom principle. And it works. Even those who don't believe practice it 
and it works. One of my first friends as, as a Christian was Brad Much, Kenda's brother. And Brad and I, we hung around together all the time. I spent time working on motorcycles, and I didn't even ride them. Uh, I hung out at their house all the time, you know. And uh, Brad had some years where he was busy running away from God. And, and uh, you know, and then when he came back to the Lord and found out that me, one of his, you know, guys he'd smoked dope with before and stuff, was now serving the Lord, kind of threw a wrench in his monkey plan, so he took off again to get away from it all. Then he finally, you know, God spoke to me, came back, and we're sitting down, and Brad said something to me uh, when we were, you know, talking one day, and we were talking about different things, and the topic of tithing came up. And Brad said, even when I was running away from God, I still tithe. I said, what? And he goes, yeah, I still tithe. I said, why? He said, because I believe the scripture. And the Bible says, God said he would be a debtor to no man. And he goes, and because I always tithe, he said, I was never unemployed. And he told the story, he said he was going to go out and work in the oil fields. He flew out west. He said, I got off the plane. I'm just standing there in the airport. I need a job. And he goes, I didn't even get out of the airport. Some guy walks up and he says, hey, what are you doing? He goes, I don't know. I came out here to get a job. He says, oh, you want a job? He says, we got one. We need somebody else for the crew. And he got on the pl another plane and flew up north and he was on the oil patch. He never even left the airport in Calgary. Wasn't serving the Lord. Running hard away from God. He went out there to get away from God. But he always tithed. Because deep down inside, even though he was running hard away from God, he still believed God's principles were true. Do you hear what I'm saying? And God says, if you practice this, not only will there be meat in my house, but, but you'll be blessed. Your barns will be full. Your storehouse will be full. Your life will be blessed. I can tell you, we're blessed. And not all the blessings we receive are financial. We have wonderful kids. We have wonderful grandkids. We have wonderful family. We have blessing coming out our ears. But it starts with principle. It starts with principle. So this morning as we come out, thank you guys for, for helping out here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, put the Lord's banana back right now. Come on. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys. It's awesome. Amen. We're going we're gonna to have communion today, guys. Do you guys know what communion is? What's communion? Lily, what's communion? You're gathering around with your family. What are you doing? Kate, what are we doing? That's right. We're remembering the Lord's Last Supper. What's that, Rory? Do you know? The bread and the wine. As he offered it up, the disciples remember, were told by Jesus as they had their last supper to do this in remembrance of, of him. That the, the cup of the wine was an illustration of his blood that was being shed for them. And the bread that was being broken was his body that would be broken for them. And so communion is when we gather around the Lord's table and we share in the blessing of salvation, of what God has done for us. He died so that we could live forever, right? Yeah, he died. He gave his life so that we could live forever. That's a pretty good deal. How many think that's a pretty good deal? I mean, we think this blessing is incredible. It all started with that, right? He gave his life so that we could live. Amen? So we're going to, I think it's really fitting that we have communion today. And you guys, have, have you, they've shared communion before in the kids' church, so you guys are going to be joining with us. Can I get you guys just to back up a little bit to, toward the front row there so that you're getting close to the moms and dads that are in the front row? And then I'm going to ask the elders to come on up here, and we're going to prepare uh, for communion this morning. Folks, 
What we have before us is the table of the Lord. The table of the Lord. We're blessed. I think the table of the Lord, from my perspective, is both of these. There is his 10%, but I also see this when I see the table of the Lord. I see how much I've been blessed. I see how much God has provided for me and for my family. And as we begin to see all this that God has given to us, how can we withhold what God asks for? You might be saying, oh yeah, a pastor just needs more money. Guess what? No matter how much money comes in, my pay stays the same as set by the board. That doesn't make any difference to me financially whatsoever. Hello? You understand how it works? We, we're a nonprofit, so all of our, we file things with the government, all that happens. We, we have a board that sets the pay and all that kind of stuff, and, and they're, they're good to us, but, but, you know, it isn't like, my kids used to think when the offering was taken up that I just took out what I needed, stuck in my pocket, and, and it was all good, right? <laughs> and I said, well, that's not quite the way it works, boys and girls, you know? Uh, I, I tell you this because this is, I'm a principle-based guy. And this is a biblical principle that we've illustrated for you this morning. The principle of tithing. The principle of the first 10%. God says it's his. Who might argue with him? Who might argue with him? And you know what? We're going to be talking for the next couple of weeks about uh, financial responsibility. Then we're going to shift to talking about investment. Investment of our time and investment of our finances. And our responsibility and our investment is not the same thing. My responsibility is to tithe. Then when I take that next 10% and I put it into my retirement, that's investment. How many know what investment is? I'm investing that in my future. So my responsibility, the tithe, I take care of that first. Then my investments, I do next. But I also invest in the kingdom. I also invest in the kingdom. And uh, I love to invest in the kingdom. Usually if we have more month left at the end of our paycheck, it's because we, I... I my wife says, you know, what did you do? You know, I just looked in the credit card. You gave who to what? Or what to who? And I'm like, I couldn't help it. You know, I was driving down the road and Mark was crying on UCB and saying they needed more money. So I said, okay. And I, you know, I just, I, you know, I said, I can't help myself, you know. What's that number to call again, Mark? <laughs> you know, the reality is, is that God has blessed us so much. How can we not be givers? Right? How can we not be givers? It should be our second nature to give. He gave so much. How can I not give in return? That's why money is no longer a difficult topic for me. I love to talk about money. Are you hearing me? So we're going to ask you to stand together this morning. Some of you might be saying it's a pretty strange backdrop uh, for communion here this morning, but I think it's a perfect backdrop. This is a symbol of just how incredibly blessed we are. And in the midst of that blessing, God's asking us to give this morning. These guys are going to lead a song that I think is really appropriate for us here this morning. It's called The Table of the Lord. And as you listen to the lyrics, I think they speak really appropriately to what we've been talking about, the blessing that our, is ours around this table this morning. It doesn't matter. If you're visiting with us this morning, this isn't a table of withholding. This is a table of invitation. Uh, you know, this is about 
where you come and you, you participate. And as you do, you're remembering the Lord and what his, his sacrifice was for us. This isn't about church membership or anything else. This is about anybody who comes and remembers what the Lord does. This table's open for you this morning. This is a table of invitation. We invite you to come. Don't be shy. And uh, what we do is we come and we get the emblems of his body and of his blood, and we return to our chair with them, and then we'll all participate together. So don't just kind of, you know, tip the cup back and, 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 and eat the bread. Wait until we're all served and then we'll participate together. So I'm just going to invite you to come on up at this time and, uh, and receive the emblems uh, today.